Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into my top 10 December movies in today's episode. What's this? What's this? The simply sensational standing ovation of Royal Dalton Musical. What is this? This is where you want to be. What is this? We're almost two weeks into 2019, and you know, 2018 still very much uh, in the driver's seat uh, as far as film is concerned. Uh, a lot of I'm still catching up on a lot of things. I know a lot of other people are still catching up on a lot of things. Uh, screeners and stuff like that still being mailed out, shipped out to a lot of people, and. That being said, uh, there's still a, quite a few episodes uh, for me to do that are still relegated to 2018. Uh, there's this episode, top 10, 20, uh, December movies, 2018. Uh, there will be an episode where I do top 10 movies I saw in 2018 that weren't released in 2018. So top 10, quote unquote, old movies uh, that I saw in 2018 for the first time. And I, you know, the 2018 Circle Film Award episode is still going on. Everything surrounding the Oscars, uh, when their nominations come out, when after the awards ceremony, a lot of 2018 stuff. We're still, it won't be, it'll be March, honestly, before we can finally take a look at 2019 and, and really sort of pave the way forward. Uh, but we're not there yet. Uh, we are not there yet. The other thing uh, in today's episode, a lot of these movies uh, are 2018 films because it is December, December, January, even into February, uh, a lot of, and November too. A lot of the best movies that you I will see these months are 2018 movies, and that's because I'm catching up on a lot of things, watching a lot of old awards fair and uh, not a uh, or, or awards fair that I missed and and isn't is finally expanding near me i still haven't seen if beale street could talk i'm getting to that this weekend on the basis of sex doesn't you know i don't get to that till this weekend uh so still plenty of things plenty of gaps to fill in but so so for those movies you know much briefer i'll be brief on them and and try to push uh, extend what i what i talk about on the films i haven't mentioned and brought up on the episode before so uh let's let's do this yeah let's do it uh this is my top 10 movies i saw for the first time in december number 10 from this month uh, i saw this movie december 16th uh, it's about 110 minutes long uh, it's a 2018 film my summary, a pop star emerges from the ashes of tragedy. Uh, I gave it a 68. It has a 61% on Rotten Tomatoes, the last I checked. It is directed by Brady Corbett and stars Natalie Portman, Rafi Cassidy, Jude Law, Stacey Martin, Jennifer Eel, Ellie, and Willem Dafoe, among others. And that's Vox Lux. I've heard a lot of things about Vox Lux. Uh, ranging from 
the the greatest vitriol to the highest praise and uh, fascinatingly enough uh, the person I heard praise this the most uh, probably the critic I respect the least and the person who uh, dumped on it pretty much blanket you know awful worst movie they'd ever seen they'd seen this year uh, is a critic I I generally respect Uh, not my favorite critic but a critic I respect and so for me to side more with the, the critic I don't really uh, respect is strange. Uh, I've talked about Vox Lux uh, before. I, I think it's not a great movie. Uh, I wouldn't even necessarily say it's a very good movie, but I think it's a good movie. I think it does some things uh, that uh, hit and, and strike a chord better than other films that are trying to do this, that are working within the same arena. I think it has some fantastic performances from Portman and from Cassidy specifically. And I think there, there's just, it has scenes that I, I absolutely loved. And I, while not, they didn't necessarily congeal into a perfect film, uh, I think it's still a fascinating movie to watch. Something very different from from most of what came out in 2018 and for that alone i think it's worth checking out uh, but you'll know probably pretty early on if you're not going to like this movie but vox lux i liked it i gave it a 68 i think it's good and it's my number 10 movie that i saw for the first time in december yeah Number seven or number nine. Number nine. I saw this movie, December first, two thousand eighteen. It was the first movie. Uh, was it the first movie? Hmm. I think it was the first movie I saw this year. Uh, it's a twenty eighteen film. It's ninety five minutes long. It's a foreign language film. My summary: A small time dealer wants to quit the criminal life. I give it a sixty nine. It has a one hundred on Rotten Tomatoes. The last I looked. It is directed by Romain Gavras. Uh, it is stars stars Kareem Leklu, Isabella Johnny, Vincent Castle, Cassell Castle, uh, Ulia Amamra, among others. Uh, it is a French film, and it is called "The World Is Yours." And I don't think I talked about this. Uh, it's a very interesting film. Uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't ever feel like a real crime movie a lot of the times. It, it's similar to Vox Lux. You know, it has some pretty standout parts, some great scenes, but at the same time, it, it does fall short occasionally. It is kind of a slow burn film. Uh, even it has, at 95 minutes long, it's still plods a lot of the time uh the lead character uh Karim Leklu who plays Francois I didn't particularly like him whereas Isabella Johnny and Vincent Cassell I loved you know I thought they were great in this movie Cassell who generally is more of a hardened character when he's acting you know he's he's 
a pretty rough guy a lot of the times in a lot of the movies I've seen him in. This movie, he's super aloof. He's very uh, lackadaisical. It, it was very strange, and I thought he was great at it. It, it was very against type from my inter my understanding, and I, I thought he did a great job. Uh, the film, so the, the story is a little bit more of um, Francois, uh, you know, is trying to get out of the drug life, the, the criminal life, but, you know, like most crime movies, one last job, and then he's out. And it just, as it always does, it kind of all falls apart and unravels right in front of him, and He's scrambling to keep the pieces together and so many other things. I think that... I, I think that the film shows this story of a, of a situation that we've seen countless times in a lot of other movies in an, in an interesting way. Maybe not necessarily the most unique way that I've ever seen this story played out, but... You know, it, it does feel, I don't know, it's, it's very high energy. It's, it's more of a comedy than a drama, crime comedy. You know, it's, I don't know, I, I think it's fun. I, I, I watched it on Netflix. It's easy to access. I think, I don't know if it's still on Netflix, but if you can find it, I'd recommend it. I, it's 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 funny. It's fascinating, and you 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 really just sink in to these these characters and this story in a way that you don't normally. When you see a movie like a Scarface or like a I don't know, like a Sexy Beast or a Spring Breakers, you know, these are very heightened characters that don't really appeal to most people. But these guys, criminals, but it, but it's a comedy, and you know, Vincent Cassell and Isabella Johnny and Kareem Laklu, I didn't really like Kareem Laklu, but I, I still thought, you know, they were still characters that I could embrace in this world, and, and I could connect to, and they have, you know, the quote-unquote hearts of gold sort of situation going on, and I thought that was really redeeming. Uh, for the film. So, I like it. The World is Yours, or Le Monde est à Toi, maybe I'm pronouncing that right, by Romain Gavras, who I haven't seen any of other of his other films. Um, he hasn't made a lot, but I haven't seen any of them. And, yeah, The World is Yours. Number nine. Number eight. Another movie I've talked about already from 2018. I saw this December 13th, 2018. It's about 100 minutes long. My summary. A wife and son are left to fend for themselves when the husband slash father leaves to fight a fire. This is Paul Dano's directorial debut starring Carey Mulligan, Jake Gyllenhaal, Ed Oxenbold, and Bill Camp, among others. Wildlife. Uh, I've, I've talked about this already. I really enjoyed Wildlife. I thought Carey Mulligan is outstanding. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, as more of a supporting role, is very good. Ed Oxenbold, who I, I 
could have taken or leaving him a little bit, but I think for his age, he does a good job. And Bill Camp is just fucking everywhere. I, I see him in so many movies now, and it's it's great because he's really good. He's a fantastic character actor, and you know he's never missing the mark when he's on screen. Uh, wildlife. I don't know. That's that's a that's about it. Same same pitch as before. Check it out if you can. Uh, I know it didn't really play theaters that much. Uh, but Paul Dano, it's a it's a worthy debut from Paul Dano. I think he's, I'm excited to see where he goes next. And yeah, Wildlife, my number eight. Number seven, number seven uh, is a documentary. I saw this December 5th, 2018. Uh, it's 102 minutes long uh, from 2018. It's my summary. An energetic activist is arrested during a traffic stop. I gave it a 72. It has a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is directed by Kate Davis and David Heilbrunner. And it is called Say Her Name, colon, The Life and Death of Sandra Bland. Uh, if you didn't know, Sandra Bland was an activist uh, who was pulled over for a traffic stop and uh, ultimately arrested where she died in her jail cell three days later. Uh, supposedly, uh, it was a suicide, but there were a lot of question marks raised about the circumstances of the suicide, and this documentary explores those. Uh, it follows her family. It talks about their uh, interpretation and reaction to the events. It shows parts of the legal process toward discovering the truth and determining what really happened and you know answering and, and try posing and trying to answer some of these questions like well how did she have access to x when she's stuck in her jail cell why did y happen when she was just doing z and so on and so forth and it's it's really 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 unfortunate uh it, it, and, and and unfortunate is not even strong a strong enough word to describe this i it, this is hardly the only case uh, of such a thing uh, of a routine traffic stop going awry this is hardly the first time it has happened to a black woman it is hardly the first time that the uh offending officer Officers, who knows, uh, are white. It's it's a systemic thing, and this documentary isolates one incident and tries to make sense of it. And I think what what fascinates me is that when you try to isolate just this one one of these many many incidents alone. When you try to avoid the the macro uh, viewpoint of the system, it feels it feels so unique. It feel it's so striking because you look at this event uh, or or any of the others, and you th and you if you're if you're able to tunnel vision enough. 
then suddenly this this single thing is is an anomaly and it, it's it's a situation where wow how how does that how does that happen how, how did this happen what what made this happen and then and i think the documentary does a really good job of trying to do that uh it doesn't completely ignore the the other events that took place and all the other times that such same similar things have happened but i think the 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 family members that we talk to and that we see and hear they are so passionate for sandra's life and for San- and for justice for for her death that you really can at times sort of forget that what you're seeing is not the only thing of its kind and when that every time that that switch turns in your head and flips in your head it just it wrecks you it's it's horrifying It's really, really dismal. Um, it's it's just a shame. You know, we get to see a lot of footage of Sandra prior to her death uh, as an activist, as a young, powerful, strong, flawed, but, but human black woman. And, and she is filled with life and just just such a wonderful person and it's juxtaposed brilliantly against the horrific acts that befell her uh it's a it's an hbo documentary Say Her Name, colon, The Life and Death of Sandra Bland. Uh, that is my number seven that I saw for the first time uh, in December of 2018. Number six uh, is another movie I've talked about already. It's a 2018 film. I've actually seen it twice in the span of December. Uh, the last time on December 30th, uh, it's... One hour and 23 minutes, a little over two hours long from 2018. My summary, with the kids all grown up, with kids of their own, the magical nanny returns to see to their new problems. I gave it a 74. It has a 78 on Rotten Tomatoes, the last I looked. Directed by Rob Marshall, starring Emily Blunt, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Ben Wishaw, Emily Mortimer, Pixie Davies, Nathaniel Salah, Salah, Joel Dawson, Julie Walters, Meryl Streep, Colin Firth, Jeremy Swift, Dick Van Dyke, Angela Lansbury, David Warner, Jim Norton, among others, uh, is Mary Poppins Returns. And, you know, not my favorite movie of the year, not as good as the original uh, for me, but I, you know, they, they, you sometimes hear, you know, they don't make movies like this anymore. And they don't. Mary Poppins Returns... Uh, as many other critics and, and people will point out, is very, very similar to the original film. 
Uh, it follows most of the same plot points uh, and ultimately pulls kind of at the Force Awakens a la New Hope uh, with Mary Poppins. But at the same time, you know, you've got incredible advancements made in many of the visual elements, uh, in many of the production elements. You have an entire new cast, entirely new songs, and while every difference, uh, subtle or otherwise, isn't necessarily an improvement, uh, it's, it's, it's able to draw on not just nostalgia, but this, this, oh, what's the word? This just uh, hearkening back in a way that other nostalgia-riddled films can't. And I guess, you know, as someone who watches a lot of older movies, more than maybe the average person does, probably the average person does, I, I, I like them. There's a lot of fantastic old movies out there, you know, and not just like 90s, 80s, but like 50s, 40s, 30s movies. There's some brilliant ones. Uh, I recently saw, went and went, got to see uh, The Adventures of Robin Hood for a, uh, a second time in theaters, and that was amazing, you know. Yeah, I, I, you know, there's scenes where they're riding horses in front of an obvious green screen, but... Uh, you know, there's just something about movies like that. You know, the 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 magic, the mystique, the majesty of them all that transcends the the CGI riddled Transformers, Marvel, whatevers that that exist now. And Mary Poppins Returns is one of the very few, very few uh, contemporary films that really does have that feeling in it. It does feel magical in a way that most films now don't. More so than any of the Fantastic Beasts movies, which are literally magical. Uh, it's, it's, I don't know, I, I, I like it, and it's a lot of fun. Mary Poppins Returns, my number six. Speaking of old movies, the only movie on this list to come out before 2016 uh, is number five. I saw this December 2nd uh, from, uh, it's about 118 minutes, so two hours. It's from 1944. My summary, a critic learns on his wedding day that his family are murderous, insane people. I gave it a 77, it has an 88 on Rotten Tomatoes. Directed by Frank Capra, starring Cary Grant, Priscilla Lane, Raymond Massey, Jake Carson, Edward Everett Horton, Peter Lorre, James Gleason, among others, Arsenic, and Old Lace. <laughs> so, I don't really know how to describe this movie. It, it's, it's phenomenal. I, it's, it's absolutely... I, I, I don't understand. It, it's it's maybe my favorite Cary Grant performance. I often find him a little too one note in many of his movies, but I he and he 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 generally looks like he's just not having a great time. In my opinion, that is not the case here. He 
it, he he looks like he's bouncing off the walls. Uh, everything that is happening in this movie is completely upside down, bonkers, absurd. I, I read you the my brief plot synopsis, which includes murderous, insane people, and that's the tip of the iceberg. Like it goes crazier from there, and I was I was all aboard. It, it's a wild movie. You barely get a chance to kind of process what's happening. And it's better for it. It's so much better for it. Because if you do get the time to really think about what's taking place, it, it the movie loses a little of its charm, a little of its persuasion. But by clipping along and progressing from one huge revelation of absurdity into the next one, you're just kind of along for the ride. And I, I really enjoyed it. I really want to watch it again uh, because I think there's, I don't know, just to, just to try to understand it even a little bit better. Uh, you know, it's it's a very, it's kind of a black comedy, but it's it's so silly that it's not. But the premise is a ver- is is very much a black comedy premise, and. It's it's Capra directing it, so you know, like he's got. I love Capra. I think he's a fantastic director, and he just he he made brilliant films that that really did kind of just subverted expectations. So honestly, if that's if that's a way to describe a thing, uh, and and I I truly truly. I don't know. I, I just kind of dumbfounded by arsenic and old lace. So uh, yeah, arsenic and old lace, number five, from December, twenty eighteen. Number four. Uh, number four. I saw this December fifteenth, twenty eighteen. It's one hundred and thirteen minutes long. Uh, it is a twenty eighteen film. My summary: A frail queen is fought over for her favor by her lady and a new servant. I gave this movie an 84. It has a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. Directed by Yorgos Lanthimos. Starring Olivia Coleman, Emma Stone, Rachel Weisz, Nicholas Holt, Joe Alwyn, Mark Gattis, among others. And that's the favorite. Uh, this is a big Oscar player, a big awards player this year. It got you know the most nominations at the BAFTAs with 13. And... It's just it's a ton of fun. It's it's most of Lanthimos's films are not fun. I I think if you've seen many of them, you'd agree. Like they, there's definitely a way about them that he he definitely has a very striking and and distinct style. But many of them, Dogtooth, The Lobster, Killing of a Sacred Deer, they're not fun movies. They're dark movies. Uh, they are not uh, enjoyable in that sense. The favorite, however, does feature his styles, his uh, his his aspects. But I I think 
because of the the screenplay, uh, which is not written by Lanthimos, which is is unusual. He generally writes his own films, uh, written by Deborah Davis and Tony McNamara. Suddenly, this film has such a brilliant comedic edge to it, and that facade of of accessibility lifts. You you have Emma Stone, Rachel Weisz, Olivia Coleman, these this trio of incredibly incredibly well acted characters. Um, you know, one of the best ensembles of the year especially when you include nicholas holt who i loved uh i think you know even if you you know after nicholas holt i I, you know take or leave whoever's left i think it's mostly window dressing at that point but those four are just on fire together in this movie the the companionship the the uh what's the term chemistry the chemistry between them is outrageously high uh you know maybe my favorite emma stone performance you know rachel weiss is on fire olivia coleman is incredible nicholas holt all of them uh then on top of that it's still got that lanthimos flair it it is dark and seedy at times it's it's conniving constantly there's maneuvers in the shadows and counter maneuvers and every line of dialogue is laced with just just venom and on top of that they all have you know two maybe three different meanings that you can derive from what everyone's saying It's it's just it's a ton of fun, fun I guess. Uh, depending on, on on you know your proclivity for films like this, I think it's very much you know Lanthimos's take on you know like a Barry Lyndon. Uh, I've heard that comparison made a lot. I I don't know. They're they're very different movies. Barry Lyndon and the Favorite, but. Insofar as, you know, Lorgos, Yorgos Lanthimos doesn't really do period pieces, but this is a period piece. Uh, Kubrick didn't exactly do period pieces, but he did Barry Lyndon, and, and that is, I don't know, it, it, it feels similar. Feels very similar in a lot of ways. I I adored this movie. And I think it's it's really fascinating, and it's my second favorite Lanthimos film. Uh, but all of his films I've found are great, and I highly recommend it. I do. I think it's not going to be for everybody, but I think it's for more than it isn't. More than it isn't. So my number four this month from December is The Favorite. The Favorite. Love it. Number three uh, is 
the on, the second and only other film on this list besides Arsenic and Old Lace to be released before 2018. I saw this one December 10th. It's 126 minutes long, just over two hours. The longest movie on the list. It's animated. It's also in a foreign language. My summary, a bully matures and tries to find redemption with the girl he bullied. I gave this an 86, has a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is directed by Naoko Yamada. It is starring, or Yamada Naoko. Uh, it stars Miyu Irino, Sayori Hayami, Aoyuki, among others. And uh, it's called A Silent Voice from 2016. Silent Voice, man, uh, I don't know how best to, it's a redemption movie, okay? We see him all over the place. It's a very popular story. It's most stories, probably. You know, you have a main character who's down on their luck, done something bad, uh, unfortunate, sad, sack, give it a descriptor, something. And by the end of the movie, they have to rise above that initial station in life. And when your redemption stories, uh, when your redemption story starts with a character who isn't just unfortunate, but is actively doing the wrong thing, like A Silent Voices is, it's really tough to come around. It really is. It, it, it's It's... So often we get set up with these horrible characters and they get redemption by the end, but it's not, you don't really necessarily feel good about it. You just understand it. And even in a silent voice for mo so much of this film, I kept just in the back of my head, like why, why do I want this guy to be better? Why do I want this guy to, to get to improve? Why do I want... To, to like and accept this guy. And so many times this movie had the opportunity to just kind of spit in my face with that exact line of, of thought. And every time it embraced that question. It's a big cast, big cast of characters. And it spans quite a few years but the early parts of the film where the bullying takes place, the, the more unspeakable things, that never goes away. It does not disappear. Even years later, it is a central and vital element of all of these characters, all of their relationships to it. And the movie does not let them get away with it and I love that so much I think we've all we've all kind of been in a position I think it feels like to me where even if it's not perfect even if you're not um, 
evil, I guess, uh, you've done something you regret, right? You said something you wish you hadn't said, or even if it wasn't to a person, if it was something they overheard, or even if they never found out, you wish you hadn't said it. You played a practical joke on somebody and maybe it went a little too far. You said an offensive joke. Something. I think we've all kind of put our foot in our mouth at some point. Maybe at work, school, something. Uh, and so the connection there and, and, and the film really plays on that history it really plays on you know I, I think this this a silent voice follows a character that is a little more uh, active and and intentional about what he's doing than maybe most people when uh, but that doesn't change that he does regret he does feel bad uh, and so the film is him trying to not only convince you, the viewer, and those around him, but himself that he deserves a second chance because there's so much evidence against him. And as I said, it comes up again and again and again how wrong, how unfortunate, how... how he didn't how he did things wrong he made wrong decisions a lot and it takes a lot of t long time for him to make the right ones and even when he wants to do the right thing it's still tough to make the right decisions those are not so easily sought out and and parsed through Uh, a Silent Voice is beautifully animated, uh, and despite the huge cast, it's because it's like eight eight principal characters. Uh, you know, they're they're all so vi realized and visual, and and you don't you don't lose them amidst the film. Even when they return, you know, it, it's, it constantly comes back up and comes back up and it just, it does a great job of, of clarifying who everyone is and why they're in the position that they're in and, and trying to get you to, you know, by association, want this, this group of misfits kind of to, to work out in a way, as best as they can. And I, I thought it was so charming, so sweet, and uh, I really, really loved A Silent Voice. A Silent Voice. Uh, it's an anime movie. So, you know, if that's a, a barrier, I mean, it shouldn't be, but if it is, um, this is a good one. It doesn't, you know, this isn't, you know, sci-fi, mech, that kind of stuff. This is a good, just sort straight-up drama. Romantic drama that can...
that is not a bad you know introduction into the non Ghibli uh, anime field. So my number three uh, from 2016 is A Silent Voice. My number three. My number two. I've talked about my number two uh, pretty extensively. Uh, I literally went through it plot point by plot point by plot point, and that is. Uh, saw it December 14th from 2018. It's 115 minutes long. From uh, It's my summary. While taking over the responsibilities of Spider-Man, a boy encounters others with his powers from alternate universes. I gave this a 91. as a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. And that is Bob Perchetti, Peter Ramsey, and Rodney Rothman's Spider-Man colon into the Spider-Verse starring Shamik Moore, Jake Johnson, Haley Steinfeld, Mahershala Ali, Brian Tyree Henry, Lily Tomlin, John Mulaney, Nicolas Cage, Liv Schreiber, Zoe Kravitz, Kimiko Glenn, Catherine Hahn, Chris Pine, Lake Bell, etc., etc. A lot of characters, a lot of people, a lot of names, and it's amazing. Uh, my favorite Spider-Man movie, hands down, period, end of sentence. It, it, it just... I, I've done two episodes on it already. I think I've generally explained my, my affection for the film, uh, and I think... I'm excited. I'm going to go see it again at some point uh, before it leaves theaters. I just, I had such a great, fun time with Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I cannot wait for more from this universe, from these characters. And Miles is such a fantastic Spider-Man. And beyond that, all the other Spider-People in this movie are so... I don't know. It's it's so easy to to enjoy and love and and care for them and care about them and what they do and how they do it. I I really really enjoyed this and uh, I'm I'm. It's good to know that I'm not alone. So many people love this movie and it is currently not only the highest rated film from 2018 on Letterboxd, but the sixth highest rated film of all time on Letterboxd. It has a 4.47 average rating. It's it's outstanding. And I'm such a huge fan. Huge fan. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. My number two from, from December. And number one, another movie that I have already spent a long time talking about. This is a documentary from 2018. I saw it December 9th. It's about 90 minutes long, an hour and a half. Uh, it's from 2018. It's my summary. Three men divulged their experiences going through the transition from kids to adults. I gave it a 95. It's got a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes the last I looked. Directed by Bing Liu. Starring Bing Liu, Keir Johnson, and Zach Mulligan, among others. Minding the Gap. If you have Hulu, one more time, I'm going to just... Uh, recommend trying to find and watch this it is so vulnerable heartfelt meaningful uh it, it really does encapsulate everything about I don't, I don't know just like it's it's such a phenomenal just just view into into the lives of real people people that you can connect with people that you can like and dislike, love and hate uh, from a, a director slash 
producer slash editor slash cinematographer. Bing Lu does all of those things. And his mind captures this world that he and his friends lived in uh, so meticulously and so perfectly. I, I'm... I, it's astounding. I, I really... One of my favorite documentaries of all time. And I, I'm just a huge, huge, huge fan of Minding the Gap. I hope Bing Lu continues to make films. Uh, I don't know if he will. But I think he should because he just has such a great eye for it. And uh, Minding the Gap. It's great. I love it. I love it so much, and it's my number one movie that I saw for the first time in December of 2018. That's it. Uh, so I'll run down the top 10 one more time, uh, just to recap here. Starting with number 10, Vox Lux, The World is Yours, Wildlife, Say Her Name, colon, The Life and Death of Sandra Bland, Mary Poppins Returns, Arsenic and Old Lace, the Favorite, A Silent Voice, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and finally, Minding the Gap. Uh, yeah, so that's it. Uh, thank you for listening to today's episode. I appreciate it so much. If you would like to find more episodes, most of you know iTunes, a lot of other podcast places will have them. Uh, you can also head over to circleoffilm.com for all the episodes uh, including other top 10 lists and so on and so forth, uh, the Circle of Film Award nominations. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Circle of Film through email, circleoffilm at gmail.com, on Letterboxd, uh, username Circle of Film, um, and so uh, maybe other places or whatever. Uh, and if you'd like to support the show, you can either... Go to patreon.com slash circle of film where you can uh, become a patron patron for as little as eight cents an episode, or you can rate and review on iTunes. Both both are work, both work, both are highly acceptable. And uh, that's it. So thanks for listening again, and as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same goodnight. I know she'll never even as she fades from view. So long, farewell, I'll be to say adieu. Nothing's really left or lost without a trace. Nothing's gone forever, only out of place. So long, farewell, oh, I'll be to say. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So long.